You're listening to Connecting the Universe from Mike Ricksecker and ConnectedUniversePortal.com. Welcome, everybody, to Edge of the Rabbit Hole here on Connecting the Universe. I'm author and researcher Mike Ricksecker. With me, as always, my co-hostess, Victoria Monday, and down in the chat room, Alina, moderating the chat. We have a fantastic episode for you this evening. Brittany Barbieri is in the house, UFO researcher, paranormal investigator, Bigfoot researcher as well. You've probably recognized her from a couple of different television shows that are out there, UFO Witness. Um, what was the one you did with Demi Lovato, uh, Unidentified? Uh, and uh, Yeah. Yeah. And uh, she also uh, works with uh, Ben Hansen quite a bit. In fact, um, Britt, I got to ask you, and you probably can't talk too much about it, but... When I was down in Roswell this past April with my fiance Jennifer, we'd like just missed each other. We'd we'd blown through, we did the museum thing and all that. And after I made the post, you're like, Hey, were you here in <laughs> Roswell? Because you were there too. I was, yeah. Um, I was I was in I've been in Roswell twice this year already. But yeah, when we when we missed each other by literally a day, I think it was. We literally missed each other by a day. Well, I was still in town. I wasn't and I was even that. I think it was a few hours. Wasn't it? Was yeah. it? It was yeah, odd. It was, it was I, the I, same I, day. I didn't make a post until after we had already left town. You're kind of one of those things. I, I don't post while I'm there, just in case you get, you know, you get some weird people that suddenly like show up, be like, "Hi, I saw your post," and yeah, yeah. But I no, wouldn't I mind totally- it. <laughs> That would have been me, the way you're saying this, Mike, is that I would have been one of those weird ones. (laughs) Mike! No, yeah, um, I can talk a little bit about that. We were actually out there for an archaeological dig um, at the the last, there's, when it comes to the Roswell incident, there's actually three sites um, Mm -hmm. that there's the debris site and the actual crash field. And that's where we were, where the object was found and the remaining alive one was found the live body was found yeah. so or specimen yeah i guess people don't really them. realize that that there are multiple sites out there uh where you know there were different remains debris that sort of thing um you know mm-hmm. i do want to uh, you know cover a, a lot on your ufo uap research uh that this evening we're probably going to get into a lot of different topics but um yeah can you kind of i guess maybe enlighten our audience a little bit on on that aspect of what's going on currently or just in a whole? Uh, well, kind of explain the, the Roswell area, just starting off with kind of the, the basics here. Yeah. So when it comes to the Roswell incident, which we all know is famously like basically the smoking gun of ufology, yeah. 
And um, there was three main sites. And of course, at this point, you know, it's still up for debate exactly why this vessel even crashed, what would cause it to crash, what would happen. Something I can talk about on the show tonight was something that I discovered while at the um, festival this past summer um, when I was there. Ben Hansen was there. Don Schmidt was there. So we were all kind of together. Mm-hmm. But um, so there are three sites when it got struck, what they believe is by lightning. It basically started to crack. So there was some debris. Then it came down and it hit, which caused a debris field. And from there, it kind of skipped, went up over top of a hill, came down, slid and did an impact into the ground where it sat for up to two days before they came on horseback and found, because the debris field from that main crash site was actually quite a distance away. Uh, I think it was like a mile or two. So it literally got a good height, came up, jumps, and then crashed. Um, But what was really fascinating is that when it did the first skid crash, at that at that point, three of the specimens came out. So there were three bodies there. And then at the crash site, there were two more, one that was dead and one that was somewhat alive, but was brought back to life, basically um, was told by a general, keep that one alive. We need that one. Um, and so Roswell still today is one of the largest smoking guns, one of the biggest ones in questions and one of the biggest ones that we fight for disclosure on because if we can get proof of that, then we can prove that over the last 76 years, they've been lying to us. <laughs> what else are yeah. they lying to us about? Ex- exactly. And what's what kind of blows my mind about, you know, all, all the current news that's out there right now. Okay. So, you know, we're in front of, you know, we're having congressional hearings and, you know, we're talking about it, which is great. But mm-hmm. it seems like that conversation is starting from like early 2000s to now. And everything back then, like we're, we're not talking about Roswell in those hearings. We're not talking about, you know, the 701 open cases from, from Project Blue Book. You know, why, why do you think that is? Well, I think like, honestly, it's, it's a need to know, right? So they have these two front runners that really are not educated. And so that when they are put in front of the public, they can't give specific answers because they don't know them. So <laughs> a lot of us in the field are very understanding of how how deep this hole goes as far as ufo and ufology and so i i firmly feel just based off of what i've seen is the less they know the less they can answer right so it's a need to know basis if there is this level of intelligence which we believe that there is within the pentagon that is handling this particular project and now having the Congress involved in, and getting them to want to be involved because now they're trying to find the money trail and being denied access to know what this money is going yeah. to and having these secret programs and basically black projects, they're learning now, wait, something isn't right, but it still comes down to put these two out in front of the public that don't know anything. We tell them what they need to know. It's a script. And that way they don't need to know because that happened. You saw questions were coming yeah. up about famous cases and they're like, yeah, you're you're talking about last year's UAP hearing. Yes, that, like it's Mike Gallagher from his. Yeah, he Mike Gallagher from Wisconsin became like my new favorite congressman. Where he, <laughs> yes. he basically, you know, hammering Bray and Moultrie about the Maelstrom case, and they're like, yep. "Well, we haven't seen anything in an official capacity." It's like, "Well, this is pretty official." <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it's like, no, you just weren't briefed on that. You weren't told about right. that. And how yeah, are they you were really to- evasive? A big time. It was like they would look at each other. 
and be like, we'll get back to you, which is the knee jerk reaction. If you don't know, it's like, oh, I don't know. I'll get back to you on that, you know, but they don't follow back up, um, you know. And so I think with that, if you're going to have like arrow, right, the all domain, if you're going to be in charge of handling the, the UAP reports and everything coming in, you have to know the history. Wouldn't you want to know, yeah, like, Mike, Victoria, if you were yeah. working there, wouldn't you be like, hey, how far back does this really go? Oh, yeah. It doesn't just go to 2004 yeah. and 2008. Like, I would want to know so that I have a better understanding for the people, right? Exactly. And you're talking, with at least with that particular case, one that involved right. nuclear warheads. That's kind of important. Oh, with Maelstrom? Victoria, oh, I know you have some questions. God, I'll yeah. let you step in here for a little bit. I have so many questions. What about reverse engineering? Are they denying that? Okay, when they crashed at Roswell, okay, I just can't speak today, Pluto. Uh, when they <laughs> crashed at Roswell, were they the typical grays that we see? Like yes, this guy. Yeah, this guy back here. Okay, yep. now I've heard that they were not actual. <laughs> hey, I Mike, have one telling Mike. <laughs> this one back here, I don't know if you can really see it, um, is from the 50th anniversary of the ledge crash at Roswell in 1997. So he's just kind of been hanging around my my office I love it. since then. <laughs> I just happened to notice, like, oh, you could see. I had to sit him up because the cat was laying on him. Anyway, I love it. Um, I had heard that the the grays were actually not um, life forms; that they were more of robotic type um, servants, if you want to call them that. Is that true, or were they more? Well, you said keep they them were alive. Yeah, they were more, they weren't robotics. These over the years, it's been speculated. Now, there's been a lot of individuals and a lot of reports that have come out of people that have actually seen these bodies, like well reports, um, well read reports that have come out. These were actual specimens, like they had organs of such. We've had a nurse that came forward that was in the room at the time that the, the autopsy was going on on the one specimen. And what really bothered me about that is that they were doing it on the one that was alive. So oh. they were doing things to him or she or it, whatever, while it was alive um, because they're trying to understand it. But the main takeaway at first when it happened was they were perceived and looked at like small children because of their size. And one of the original reports when the cover-up started was, oh, well, you know, the Russians were using children to do and use these test things, which was so ludicrous. But that was a statement made because the five beings look so much like little people, even though they were gray, odd shapes, larger head, larger eyes. But yeah, the takeaway was like physical being not a robot yeah. you know that's that's been speculated more now in the last i'd say 30 years that grays are yeah. more robots. what what about the idea that they could have possibly been like some sort of clones since they're supposed to all look generally alike as far as the cloning goes i have not heard if they were cloned the one thing okay. i know from uh, my mentor don donald schmidt who handles the roswell um when the one specimen was like halfway alive, half whatever in between, and the general told the one lieutenant, bring it back. So he basically performed mouth to mouth because that's all he knew what to do. Um, yeah. So which tells me that there was some type of normal lung, like what we would have in order to produce air to keep him alive. But what bothered this, this lieutenant was he could hear what this specimen was saying to him. 
And he basically said, I've accepted my fate. My crew is dead. I have accepted my fate. So that's what kept repeating in his head. And so he's like, I feel like he was telling me whatever comes next, I understand because I'm in the hands of an enemy and my crew is dead and there's no, I have nothing to live for now. Like they were sent out on a mission kind of deal, you know, and it's active, you know, it's incidents. Probably some exploratory mission like we would do. Right. Yeah, for whatever reason, like we see them, you know. So it's kind of sad when you know that coming from. And it was a deathbed confession. He lived with that his whole life before Mm -hmm. he died. And that's what he said it. Well, how long did he live? He. Uh, he The specimen? Yeah. The specimen they know lived for about a year from base to base. Um, They actually, there was a report coming out of Texas um, with one of the doctors there. But several of the gentlemen on the base were like, is it bring your kid to, you know, the base day? Cause they remembered seeing oh. this childlike figure oh. in army fatigue, but it was like hanging like <laughs> on it. And they were trying to quickly move it into a building. So they know that it was alive for about a year. That's from the reports and individuals. And again, this is over like, I think now in the total with direct and indirect connection to the actual incident, there's been a total like 601, 600 and something. Um, confessions regarding this incident. So that's a lot of people wow. for something yeah. to just be a weather balloon. Sorry. Yeah, that's that's quite a few. Did they actually take him up to Wright Patterson? Because that's what I always heard. Yes. Or that's where they did. Yes, they all went there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so sad. So, yeah. Given all of that, uh, for me, it's kind of interesting. That the the last uh, conversation that we had here in. Is that July, the the latest uh, UAP uh, hearing? Hearing, mm-hmm. that, yeah, where you know we're we're getting information about uh, you know there being actual you know parts of crafts and things like this that the government has, and what what I find interesting is before you know the hearing, it's like okay, this seems to be like they're presenting new information, but. Again, we have stories like this going all the way back to the time of Roswell. So to me, it's not really news other than it's at least finally being recognized and it, it's at least being read into the record. What do you think? I, I would agree. I think the only difference is, is that we have an actual intelligence officer who was second, who had secondhand information and secondhand knowledge and talking to these firsthanders. Um, going under oath. That's a that's a big thing. Like, granted, we had um, Ryan Graves from the he was the F eighteen pilot, and um, mm-hmm. and and David up there as well, who was the other Navy personnel. And again, that's great. But we've heard their stories a lot from Navy. We've right. had those reports now for a long time. But when you have an intelligence officer coming forward, willing to basically put a mark on his back. And he made it very clear during the hearing that he had been targeted. He made oh, yeah. it very clear during the hearing that he is still continuing to be targeted. And he was. I mean, look what followed after that. There was a huge smear campaign that went after him and attacked his mental health, which is not OK for any of our veterans. And um, it's a huge it was a huge. And I think people need to understand that this all went into record on this one. Yeah, this wasn't yeah, an open conversation. Yeah. yeah, this wasn't we're bringing in these representatives from Arrow. We're, you know, we're talking about this new platform we're building. We have an interest. No, this was like a full blown. What's presented to us goes into record. What you're saying is under oath. So do not lie to us. Um, 
or else kind of situation. And I think David gave them what they needed to hear. I think he gave what the public needed to hear. And it really opened the eyes of people that maybe were on the fence of wanting to know what was going on. And then all of a sudden we're like, oh, wait a minute. This guy's he's a high rank guy with a lot of credentials right. under him. And, you know, I mean, the medals that guy has is insane. War hero on top yeah. of that. It doesn't yeah. make sense for him to come out and make up anything. Yeah. And, and there's only so much that they could talk about in that hearing that because right. of course, you know, national security and, and what have you totally understand that having been in the military myself. But what I found interesting was the number of times uh, that either one of the three uh, said, well, I could tell you about that in a skiff, basically a secure right. room, but they were not granted one to be able to talk to any of them in a skiff. And that I found interesting that they weren't granted access to one. Mm -hmm. I agree with that too. I, I think that there was, um, I even hate saying it live, but I think that there was a little bit more at play there of wanting to keep more of a muzzle on the situation until they, it was in the right time for them to put that into place because it was denied. And then what yeah. I found interesting is he had applied for the skiff and basically in that room, of course, phones are taken away. Everything's taken away. You can't know nothing. It's no access to the outside right. world. It's all closed information. So you sit there and you go, why would you not give this guy this? He's got a crazy testimony. Why wouldn't you want to hear what he has to say? You know? Um, and shortly after that, it was what Mike, I think I, I think I shared it with you too. A week, two weeks max. I want to say afterwards, they did the piece on him about his mental health. Well, what happened right. following yeah. that was then everything was taken from him. I don't know if you knew that. Then it was all taken from that. him no. that he wasn't allowed to have these access granted anymore because of that, because of that because moment of that, yeah. in his history, which is like, well, and like statement I made on this was, well, then you better go back through everybody's mental health check. Cause I guarantee you, you have other officers you know, with more issues than David that are running. Yeah. Are you kidding I, me I mean, right now? Again, having been in the military myself, I mean, so he, he saw some action that is going to give him PTSD and what have you. You yep. can make a case that basic training will give you PTSD to this day. Yeah. If I hear Reveille in a movie that just you know, happens to be a military movie and they're playing Reveille, I, it, it triggers me, you know, because yeah. that was, you know, we played it every, every morning. You had to get up, get out of bed, do you know, all your crazy stuff. Um, so it's, yeah, it, it's a, that just in itself is tra a trauma from your life. So you could make a case that every single person in the military, um, exactly. you know, has has that issue. So exactly. yeah, they're looking for an excuse. Yes. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, you can't. And, you know, here was their mistake with that one. And I will say this quickly. This was their mistake. They thought, yeah, give them the right points, which this kid slipped up. You get them anybody on a live Twitter, man, they just, they mess up real quick. And that's exactly yeah. what this writer did. They picked the wrong guy to do the smear campaign. But what, what backfired on them, which tickled me, which I loved about this, was the outpouring and love for Grush that came from this, right? Because... You now triggered a community and I had, my grandfather was a Marine. So you now triggered a community of people that know what real war look like, real war heroes that go, wait a minute, are you trying to smear this guy? Because he had a one moment 
in his life from saving and doing all this for so many people and being an active war hero that all of a sudden now wanted to back him, not even knowing anything about the UFO side of it, that now yeah. you had another whole other percentage of the U.S. that was falling in love with him and then wanted to back him because they're like, he's not crazy. I see stuff, too. I want to back him. So it backfired so hardcore on them for this smear campaign, which I was like, thank God, because no, this this is not right. This is like morally not right. You just don't do that. That was terrible. So that bothered me. Yeah. But that was my takeaway. <laughs> they got more people to be involved in the topic who wasn't, they weren't before. So that, oh, yeah. that was good with me. <laughs> I was fine with that. Um, I have Victoria. a question. Oh, see, you can tell in my eyes I have a question. I um, can tell, yes. <laughs> We've been doing this together for a while. I can tell. She's yeah. fidgety. Yeah. <laughs> She's got a question. Okay. Um, I've heard, I, I'm sorry, I can't remember it was, I think it was in Nevada that there's a deep underground military base that houses different types of um, extraterrestrials other than the greys. Are you familiar with that? Mm -hmm. That was actually part of um, what was the alleged treaty with Eisenhower out in the Nevada, Nevada okay. desert. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. So what type of um, extraterrestrials are out there? From what I've gathered, there's like three or four different types. I know that they've spoken about like the ant figure ones, some that are considered the tall beings that are the tall grays. Um, I'm not sure. I'd have to go back through my notes and my research, but I'm not sure what type of extraterrestrial. And if anybody that's watching does know, please put it in the comments because I do not remember. Um, there was a type of extraterrestrial that made the treaty with Eisenhower because in the bottom of the Mesa, they were working on creating like half breeds of us and their, their race to help their race survive. So that was kind of like the deal was we wouldn't bother them if they wouldn't bother us kind of deal for them to do what they needed to do in the Mesa. So yeah, there's a lot of stuff out there that's very weird out, out mm -hmm. towards the Nevada desert and New Mexico and Arizona. All those areas are... I wouldn't be surprised. A lot of minerals out there, if you know what I'm saying. I used to live out oh, there. So. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a lot of stuff out there. Um, mm -hmm. What's the other thing I was going to ask you? Oh, I've been doing a lot of CE5. Uh, what is your take on that with Dr. Greer? Because over the last month, I'm starting to see things. More things are getting a little bit weirder um, in life, not just because life is weird. But um, do you think we can actually call them in and connect with them? And is that a good thing? You know, when it comes to um, Stephen Greer's practice, I, I personally, I don't, I don't, I think what it does is that it just opens you more consciously. It makes you use more of your brain and your brain power, something that a lot of us just don't think about using all the time, especially in our conscious state of meditation and stuff like that. Um, it hyper focuses us. And I think it allows us to open ourselves up more to things that we've naturally just shut off things that we were told to shut off as we were growing up and learning. Um, as far as his practice goes, I I personally have not used it. I personally am not necessarily like a, a big advocate or fan for it because I don't know a lot about his line of work with it. So I can't say too much. Um, I know people that have, and I know people that it works for, but on my side of it, as far as like seeing how meditation works and seeing how the monks have used meditation and things like that to open ourselves up to more of a conscious state. I think it just makes people more aware 
if that makes sense, of just mm -hmm. what we are capable of. Um, and we don't need any kind of label for it. I think if people just really focused on themselves and meditated and, and took time, I think even within our dream state, we would see things and see relatives and, and make these connections because we would be able to transcend. And on the final point of that, Victoria, like you said, I don't necessarily think it is a good idea. I think there are sometimes you can open yourself up too much and invite things you shouldn't be inviting. in. So I do think it is a very, it's a fine line because we don't really know what these beings are and what their full intention is. And if you're really trying to contact them subconsciously, some things you can't get rid of. And if it wants to attach, that could become very difficult to get rid of. That's not something easy. How do you get rid of an extraterrestrial that wants to follow you around all the time? Kind of hard. <laughs> like, so true. <laughs> you know, so it's more or less just being cautious of, of what you're doing and practicing. But I do think meditation and being more aware and more conscious of, of your surroundings. And of course, the, the worlds that we live in, um, there's many different dimensions within them. So I think it's just opening yourself up to be more aware. Yeah. So when do you think be we'll care for have... how you're projecting your mental Reese's pieces? Yes. <laughs> Yes, exactly. I'm, a, I'm a peanut butter cup girl, so I'm pretty safe, you know, because you have to do the foil and everything. Yeah, I think you're safe with um, that one. I was just going to ask you something. Oh, when do you yeah, think we'll have? <laughs> when do you think we'll really have accurate disclosure? You know, if somebody had asked me that earlier this year, I'd probably be like, oh, a couple years. But there is a fast and odd momentum happening that's even going on behind closed doors that I would say we would be getting extremely like crazy information coming out the doors in probably the next couple of months, early into next year. Really? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because there's um, there's a lot happening behind closed doors and there's also a ton of firsthand intelligence officers that are in the move to come forward. And one of them was basically stated uh, saying, and this was by James Fox, got the letter. He just uh, read this letter not too long ago as well. Um, and the key takeaway from that was when it's the right time. So I do think that they are being briefed on when they have a projection of when they want to basically declassify this information from some of these um, intelligence officers that are firsthand who have not only seen pieces of crashed object, but also the specimen, the biologics that were found with these crashed objects. So this is, that would be huge. So you kind of have to prepare the public for that. So I think that's what they're doing right now. That's why we just have oh, to- And, and there's video. also, yeah, there's also gonna be a matter of protocol as well, because I mean, right. you can already see with how people have to dance around what they can actually say. Um, yeah. Because you know, there are certain elements of security where you can talk in generalizations or, you know, your answer ends up being, oh, I can tell you in a skiff. Yeah. So, you know, they're, they're playing the dance. And, you know, the, the standard for the military has always been deny, 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 deny until, you know, it's totally blatant and obvious. You can no longer do that. Um, right. And it's I think it's been great over the last you know, several years. I mean, you can no longer deny everybody has a you know h at least a hd most people a 4k a camera in you know in right. their pocket every day where you can capture all this stuff so um so yeah i definitely believe we're moving forward in the right direction uh we have some questions here from the chat room that i want to uh throw out here so okay. uh tom mcnick tom mcnicholas is going the interdimensional route here and wondering uh what dimension the extraterrestrials may be from if you have an opinion on that 
Oh, that's a, that's actually a really good one. I love those questions. Um, what's fascinating with that, it's it brings you back into, could they be from the fifth dimension, the one that everybody always questions? Could they be from the dimension of the future? Um, it's 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 a tricky one to answer. And for, to be completely honest, I don't think that the ones that we see so frequently are from any dimension but our own. I think they are already existing on our planet in our oceans, and we just are not aware to that extent fully yet. I just think because the the rate of speed and travel and everybody's like, oh, I'll be like thousands of miles and blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, but if they lived here, it wouldn't be that much. And that would be why you would see them so frequently. So, so you think a lot of these are actually like USOs and they have underwater bases? I, yeah, I mean, like I, I never thought I would ever be the one to say that, but just following the research and the statements coming from our military, our Navy, and so many personnel, it's all water, all water sightings. If you follow what they're talking about, it's over great, you know, um, uh, great stretches of water or the ocean. And these objects are just right at the, right at the surface level. And then they go right underneath the water and not seen. So these vessels, you know, what a better place to hide. We only, we only have explored, I think it's like now up to 7.66% of our ocean. Yeah. Big it's level. a really, really small fraction. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we don't know what's down there. We know more about our space. So, you know, we we certainly know that they come and they go. But yeah, I mean, I would not be shocked. Let me just put it that way. I would not be shocked at all if somebody was like, hey, we found an alien base under here. This is crazy. I'd be like, yeah, yeah it makes sense. That's about right. <laughs> uh, question here from Alina. She says, I noticed Bigfoot in the background. Curious if there's a story behind it. Bigfoot? Oh, I love Bigfoot. There is the story behind it is I just am obsessed with Sasquatch. I um, I grew up in the Rocky Mountains of Colorado and we all had an experience at some point living up there with all seven of my siblings and I. And I'll tell you what, I love that guy. I know he's out there. You just got to find him. So, yeah, I'm obsessed with Sasquatch. My whole family knows I have like an eight foot one that my dad made out of wood for me in my front yard. I'm the crazy oh, wow. neighbor. That's pretty <laughs> yeah. cool. Yeah, no, I, I I'm not too far from the epicenter of Sasquatch sightings. Ooh. Oh, yeah, there's Don't a big. Tell me uh, later. Well, I haven't <laughs> seen him, but there's a big, there's a big Bigfoot conference. That, that sounds funny. There's a big Bigfoot conference coming up. <laughs> <laughs> Is that, yeah, <laughs> they should actually name it that the Big Bigfoot Conference. That would actually be very catchy. That would something it would fast. Be. The big Bigfoot big conference. Yeah. The little one. It's the big Bigfoot, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, just obsessed. I, I love Bigfoot. Absolutely love Bigfoot. Just obsessed. Yeah. So uh, Jason Thompson is asking, are cattle mutilations still occurring? Uh, yeah, actually they are. There was a uh, recent one in Colorado. And then there was another one mm -hmm. in, what was the one I was just looking at? It wasn't cattle, it was sheep. And I believe it was in Puerto Rico. So oddly enough, that is still happening. Yeah, if you've been, uh, Jason, if you've been watching uh, Beyond Skinwalker Ranch, they, they cover one of those in, in Colorado there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Let's see. Um, all right, I think that's all we have in the chat for now. So keep the questions coming. Of course, we will oh. ask away. Uh, what is hey, the go ahead, frequency? Victoria. <laughs> the frequency, now that, now that you've mentioned Skinwalker, there's always that frequency. It's like 163 or 136 or 1. something. 1.6. 
Yeah. 1.6. I'm a fine arts major. Um, what does that have to do with UFOs? Or do you know? Is it like I, a, I really don't know. I think that's what they're still trying to figure out. I mean, maybe Mike wants to chime in on this one. I mean, if personally, well, I'm not sure. It's this is as much as they know is that it is a communication frequency basically from Earth to space. What it's communicating and why they're using that know. specific frequency, they don't know. And that's what they're trying to determine uh, at Skinwalker yeah. Ranch. Why, you know, that particular frequency in that particular area, it's 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 not like it goes too far beyond the boundaries, but it's there in the Uinta right. Basin. What's interesting, we were just talking about the uh, cattle mutilations in Colorado there. Um, they actually detected a frequency there, not at 1.6, but 1.7. So very you know, closely re related, but not exactly the same. Well, that's interesting too. It's the it, frequencies and UFOs have always been a very fascinating thing for me to try and figure out what the connection would be anyway. And that's something I do and I should definitely look a lot more into when it comes to the frequencies of UFOs and the connections. Yep. So now, are you saying we, we, we could we can tweak Sorry. we can tweak a frequency here, like you know, the police band, C band frequency or something, we could tweak it to that and maybe communicate? Like a ham radio operator? Look, I'm not putting anything off the table. I think you should test it. Did everything. you guys just hear that buzz or was that you, Victoria? Did you are you playing with us? I heard it. My hands are here. No, that I was probably it. that was probably my air conditioner outside. It's literally okay. like two it's like, two like two feet from the irony of it outside. though. <laughs> Like are listening. To hear this buzz and it's like wait a second <laughs> they're listening they're there's a black car <laughs> sitting out in front of my house I don't know. no you're from the men in black that's Parabola. right <laughs> that's probably at my house i'm not gonna yeah. lie right now <laughs> probably did you have me. the men in black out there when you're uh researching <laughs> roswell uh no thank goodness not not this time um not that it has not happened before. I know that there has been many encounters and there's been, it's always that like strange individual that you see lurking in the back. Um, yeah. We did have a couple of those that we did notice at the festival that we were like, did you guys yeah. see that guy? Yeah, I saw that guy. Did you see him taking notes? Yeah, I saw him taking notes. Um, and you never know really what their purpose is or if maybe they're just really interested in it and they just dressed in something yeah, that I don't wear on a 110 degree day. But hey, <laughs> some people are a little know. cold. They're just a little cold blooded. <laughs> yes, exactly. You never know. I'm very, I'm very aware and very cautious. I remember Don telling me, "You never eat at a restaurant. Always eat at a buffet. They're not going to poison everybody." I was like, "Ha ha, noted." Well, yeah, there's that, and of course, always <laughs> keep your back to a wall, not to the window. Exactly. That's how I sleep. Yeah. I see never who's coming anyway. in and out. Yep. Yep. I need to see every entrance and every exit when I'm going to bed. That's right. So you're saying uh, COVID was part of the military agenda because they shut down buffets. So now we have to. Right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. See, you get it. We're on it. <laughs> Solving problems tonight. Left and That's right. right. <laughs> so, question here from Wendy Portman. Have you ever looked through Gen 3 military night goggles? If so, what did you see? No, I have not looked through the Generation 3. I have not. So now, what's unless interesting is we had um, Mark Anthony on a couple of months ago and he was talking about a uh, certain they were only in production for a short period of time but the red night goggles that were issued in vietnam uh for a short period of time and the crazy things that those guys were seeing so i don't know if you know much about that at all 
No, I, you know, the funny thing is when it comes to like night military grade or night vision technology, I always go to Ben because that's Ben's, I mean, like he has his software, yeah. he has his own company that produces these. And we always have such fun conversations about what new technology can we make with night vision? You know, what could we create to see through like layers of, you know, the fibers and dimensions around us? Cause we always get into really crazy loopy conversations, but no, I have not tried them, but I do. I want to try anything in, in that scope. So get the green ones because the green ones, you can see the UFOs. So if you get the red ones, that's when you see another vibration. It's like demons and stuff. So, Oh, I don't know if I want that one. I think I'm good with just, I'll stay at the UFO. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm good. I think I'm good. Yeah. I'll ask Ben though, because yeah. he might have one. He might know. Yeah. He, he might know uh, better. About and I, that. I've used some with him when we've been out okay. basically doing night watches and I'm not sure what, grade they are what they were they, i think they were mm -hmm. his so i'll ask him later okay. now yeah, I'm that'd curious. Be great. i've sparked now <laughs> <laughs> uh jill nimchinski i've heard that skinwalker ranch is a portal for ets and entities from other dimensions could this be true i have heard that a lot and i and i've, I've been a firm believer on that for a long time i've always wanted to visit skinwalker ranch because of that i've always believed that it wasn't just for extraterrestrial that it literally was a portal for many different things for a long period of time. Yeah, there's so much going on out there. Um, and it, and I really think that the fact that it has those strange electromagnetic fields out there uh, is you know, really gives whoever it may be, whether it's extraterrestrials, even us, an opportunity to be able to move in and out of the different dimensions, open up portals, things like that. So. Yeah. Um, oh, five dollar super chat here from Android Paranormal. Thank you very much, Android. Oh. Absolutely appreciate it. it. Says Brittany, how can we teach the UFO community to remain inconclusive until the scientific process is completed before claiming real slash fake? Are we talking about the mummies? Such as such <laughs> as the Peruvian monkeys. Yes, the which I would I would suggest, and I because I've posted this on my social media. Um, the guy has a series from about five years ago. Um, it was something like Inside NASCAR or whatever, but I posted the links um, on my social media where you can actually go and see like those original videos and uh, footage of them digging these things up. It's not like they just suddenly appeared in front of the Mexican government here right. a few weeks back. So this is something that's been a while, but yeah, do you have a take on that? Um. <clears throat> So <laughs> these, mummies, <laughs> these mummies have haunted me since they uh, showed up at the Mexican hearing. Um, so I think, you know, everybody wants to have an opinion on this because again, don't forget, you know, and Mike, you know, Gaia did do a special on this. Melissa Tittle was yeah. the producer on it at the time um, and they showcased these. But again, that special, they showcased the larger specimen that was more in question, the right. way it was sitting. Yeah. Um, I remember when these two in these, I, I'll just say these two things appeared. Um, they were basically investigated at the time through, I think, one person. 
who basically said they were um, a, a mishmash of different pieces and parts. And then they had found a person in Peru that was making these kind of crazy little mummified bodies and allegedly was the same person that was connected. So I was very shocked. I'll just put this out there that those were even showcased at the hearing. However, there was a ton of new science that had been done on them that I was not aware of. I don't think a lot of the public was aware of. Um, and I think... I think we just need to remain, I'm trying to say this so, <laughs> oh, it's so touchy, this topic, because it, is. it is, it's been at the very height of everyone's conversation and questions be, after this happened. And I've honestly seen, which I'm sure this individual has seen too, this horrible divide in the UFO community because of this situation. You know, I've already seen the facts. I know it's fake too. Well, I just want to see more facts. I want to see more data because there's new stuff that was presented that we weren't aware of. And I think we need to just understand that there's going to be things that are going to be brought and presented to us constantly in the UFO field. And we have always stated we need to have the science behind it to back it. We need to have multiple scientific approaches. And I think that the way they went around this was all wrong. Um, if they had new data, then they should have been presenting this prior allowed the public to be more involved together, united on this, um, to feel like they had a stake in the game, that they got to be a part of this and, and kind of could make the decision for themselves. And so I think right now, the best thing that we can do for the UFO community is to not divide each other on our personal opinion or take from the matter. It's about being together, like a togetherness on this and focused as a whole to remain focused on the main importance of why we're in this field to, to begin with, right? Which is, yeah. we just want the disclosure on UFO topics. We're not seeing crazy things in the sky. We're not seeing, you know, birds and claiming their UFO. There's a, a true phenomenon that is taking place, <laughs> okay? And there's going to be strange things that are going to get thrown in the mix every once in a while. And we, we know this. This has been happening for over 80 years. So the best thing we can do is work together and collaborate together as a team, as a, as a united UFO. We are a community for a reason. We shouldn't be going at each other. We should be like, hey, I understand your standpoint on this and I want more data. Okay, yeah, me too. Yeah. It, it shouldn't be a fight or a tit for tat. And I think we just, whether you come from the, the paranormal scope with ghost spirits or you come from cryptozoology or you come from the UFO community, I think we all just need to be open-minded together and just stay focused on the main priority, which is disclosure moving forward, no matter what. I, I agree. Yeah. Cause when I posted on that, I mean, just the initial post that I made, um, you know, just, and I just asked a question, what do you think? You know, people were so just, their comments were so derisive. It was like, wow, okay, this was getting pretty volatile in here. And I, I did bring up the, that's the series on earthing NASCA. That's um, it, you guys yeah. can find the links on my social. Um, but uh, one of the producers from Gaia, uh, Sid Goldberg, who had uh, worked a bit on that project, actually had this in the comments this really long um, explanation uh, of the uh, of the research behind that and everything. I basically ended up reposting that as a whole separate post. And, and, and again, people were like, oh, I'm sorry, I still can't you know, believe it. They're a little bit better with that post. But that first one, oh, my gosh, it, yeah. it was getting pretty ugly down there in the comments of, <laughs> in the world. You know, oh, it got so, bad. Yeah, it got yeah. bad. At, at Twitter or X or whatever they call it now, it was horrible mm -hmm. once those mummies came out. And and it lasted. It's still going on right now, the debate. And it seems to yeah. have died a little bit to where people aren't as volatile or as angry. But, oh, my God. Like, that's why I was like, I, I'm good not talking on it. 
right now because yeah. I think my opinion <laughs> will trigger somebody. Like just yeah, saying, just I want more data. <laughs> well, you know why? It's it's the Pluto Mercury thing, or no, the Pluto Neptune thing going on. Um, that's extraterrestrial conjunction. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I do have a question. When, when we were talking to Richard Doty like a couple of years ago, um, he said that Hollywood was always like a, an instrument or a tool that um, leaked, if you want to do that, um, mm -hmm. disinformation out to um, condition the population. I can't help but connect the two that, that Spielberg's E.T. looks so much like the Peruvian mummy. I mean, do you think <laughs> he was in the loop or, or he that's Reese's just pieces weird. again I know. I'm telling you. well <laughs> no but that's a good <laughs> but that's a good question I will say that is a really good question and I love that you brought up Spielberg because Spielberg made close encounters of the first or the third kind and it, you know again uh -huh. people didn't understand that Jayon Hynek was a part of that you know there was so yeah. much truth being told to that film that people weren't really aware of and we have seen over the years this, um, and I, I hate using the word agenda, playing out within our films when it comes to extraterrestrial, but there really has been. And if you look at the fine threading of those films, even when Alien came out, which I love Alien. but It's a great movie, yeah. It's great. But again, it didn't, it wasn't coming to attack Earth and hurt Earth or us. It was only attacking us when we treaded in its territory and it became a problem for them. And I think it's funny that there's all these movies that have this, like, there's the good and then there's the bad kind. And then if you hear throughout, like, true abduction cases and and real case stories that were involved even in Project Blue Book, there were good and they were bad. You know, it wasn't like they were all out to come take over the world and kill us all. And, and now what are you seeing? We're getting close to a disclosure, right? And now you're starting to see these films. No one can save you. Jules you're learning again, good and bad. You're seeing this odd thing. And now Spielberg just came out with Netflix that just dropped encounters based on true abduction encounter stories. And I, I do find it fascinating. And I do think that it is a way to subconsciously prepare us for information that's going to be coming out. And we all know that the government funds a lot of media and a lot of oh, our yeah. Hollywood and so what a better way to prepare the public in a way that they don't realize they're being prepared, if that makes sense, like neutralized to it, to where it becomes like, I mean, that's kind of how it's been done over the years with like, and I hate to even say this, but when you watch like PG-13 versus R, now what we would have seen as R when I was growing up is now like PG-13, you know? So it's oh, like yeah. everything has been like, <laughs> but they slowly integrated this to where now when we see it, we don't really get phased by it. It's eh, whatever. We already know it's kind of numb to it. We don't yeah. care. Yeah. So what a better way to prepare us for something like this that alters our reality, alters our state of being to where it's like, eh, we already knew this was coming. This is no phase. I think that's why people are like, why aren't people more shocked? They're talking about UFOs being real within the government. People are like, because we know that they're real. Hello. Yeah. Well, I've seen ET. Like, that's their mentality. <laughs> right. Well, are they, are they preparing us or are they trying to control us through fear? Um, and I, I read something. I like, think that uh, could go both ways. Yeah. I don't know, three or four years ago that the extra. Well, they tried it with the toilet, with the toilet paper and prove that we still get in a panic. <laughs> the day sales oh went up then. I mean, let me tell you, oh my I, God. Had, 
I had a friend during Y2K who <laughs> knew we were all going to die. Not, so they, right? Come on. They oh, Y2K, up on, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. So they stocked yeah, up. Yeah, being on in the IT field, like it, it was, it was bedlam going up to, to Y2K. And I kept telling my employer at the time, it's just a date change. You don't have anything to worry about. And they were in such a tizzy of Y2K, Y2K. And of course, you, know, you could get a, you could get your certification as Y2K. You had to make sure everything was Y2K compliant. Yeah. Oh my God, it was yeah. such a money-making scheme. And I'm just sitting back there. Hey, Frank, which was uh, the, the owner of the company. Frank, everything's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. He wanted to be there like at midnight when it turned. I'm like, I had a New Year's <laughs> Eve party. I'm sorry. <laughs> That yeah, was my, my dad. Friend. Yep. My yeah, dad worked for IBM. Same here. Yeah. Yeah. My friend stocked up on food for a year um, just because, you know, food supplies were going to be gone. And so she ate beans for like three years after that. You oh, know? my so gosh. It's like oh. every kind of dry bean you can have. Um, but I had read a few years ago, getting back to ET, um, that the extraterrestrials actually had made contact with um, the government or whomever. And they said, okay, this is your end date. If you don't, you know, fess up, we're going to mm -hmm. come and, and you know, it's going to scare the crap out of people when we land on the White House lawn, which they're not going to do. Um, so you have until 2026 um, to say <laughs> we're real. Yeah. So that's why they're um, and this was like when we were talking to Jeremy Ray. So how long ago was that? Three years? A uh, long time ago. A couple of years uh, ago. Yeah. 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 So that date is getting closer. So that is, I think, why mm -hmm. things are accelerating just a little bit. Plus also the you know, Pluto Neptune thing is coming. So. <laughs> well, and they said for the longest time too that it was the reptilian race that was working yeah. within the government that were the ones that were pushing to say, if you don't tell them that we're involved and we're here with you and we have been working alongside you by this date, which like you said, 2026 was what I heard was 2027, then we're going to expose ourselves to the public and the public will not be prepared. They will not know how to handle that. You need to right. better prepare them. Um, and, and, it, and unfortunately, it's like, I think people are numb to UFOs. So I don't think people really think about UFOs like like something to fear. But mm -hmm. I think they would fear if you see a reptilian-like being. Like if everybody remembers the, the doll Z or V, the V, v. doll. Yeah. That's literally how I would imagine these reptilians, which scared me as a kid. But I'm like, you know, I, if, if that's true, if that's an alleged true claim, then, you know, you better prepare people because that would that would definitely yeah. need to make sure disclosure comes fast because that would definitely end the world real quick. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So a couple more questions here from the chat. And uh, <clears throat> Jen was talking about the uh, miniseries <laughs> V from the 80s. Yes, there absolutely. It is. There it is. <laughs> um, Wendy yes. asked. Have you done any research on the incident of the Chinese balloon over Billings, Montana airport earlier this year on the UFO activity that happened at the same time? So Ben and I actually worked a lot with a lot of the pilots, which is something that we have done now for about two years. We started, he had gotten like Ben and I worked together as investigative partners and production. We, we create under the, the, um, the belt of paranormal concepts together because mm -hmm. of our field work. Um, but he had gotten a pilot that had reached out to him and he was one of the first that broke the news. We were able to put him forward with, um, the news channels to break the story of being a pilot and seeing these odd lights in the sky at about 80,000 feet between 60 and 80,000 feet performing what we consider dog fights. And then we coined it as like racetrack lights because it was going in this race racetrack type pattern. Right. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we, we were doing so much like, 
trying my god when you look at how many satellites we have around our globe right now we it's insane like we were out we saw starlink going over the great pyramid of giza it's like it was pretty cool but it's still insane (laughs) at the same time (laughs) so um but yeah so we were getting a lot of these reports um and then the balloons i will say it wasn't just Mm -hmm. one we had those multiple balloon takedowns um but we had pilots who had oddly reported some of these claims and, and, and on our um on the show uh, hypo center 101 if you go to youtube you'll see ben and i talking to one of the pilots and he describes what could either be one of these balloons or it was an odd ufo um i mean it's still a ufo no matter what you want to call it but um yeah all of those we looked into we did a deep dive it's on it's on the youtube channel that we worked on together to kind of bring some of that information to the public because There were so many of them going on. And then, of course, the one in Alaska I found extremely fascinating because they took it down and said they couldn't recover it. But there was a guy that literally had footage of a whole recovery team out there getting all Mm. like recovering everything. And then all of his videos were taken down. And he was like, of course they were take them down. (laughs) Right. And they're like, we weren't able to recover. And then, you know, here we are. You flash forward a couple of months. Then we hear we're having a, a UFO hearing, a UAP hearing. And then you've got David Grush saying, no, we have crash retrieval programs that are out there collecting this. We're like, yeah, this is all just too, I don't believe in coincidence with this book. Yeah, too ironic. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, we were following all those very closely. So uh, Jason Thompson here. And I know you had wanted to talk about, you know, the other possibilities of what ghosts could be other than like human spirits. So uh, Jason is asking here, kind of in a similar vein, are there any hauntings or paranormal cases slash locations linked to UFO sightings? Yes. There is a lot. There are a ton. Um, there, there was actually a case here in Florida that had that. There were multiple out west. Um, California had a ton of those. Um, a skinwalker is a perfect yeah. example of that. Um, but yes, there Alaska are triangle. the Alaska Triangle. Yep, and we know, like, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, and it oh. also it's. it's <laughs> It's also strange too that, and and what plays into that is people in their homes thinking their home is haunted, but it's actually not. What they're seeing are these beings that basically look like shadow-like figures, but above their home or in the area or around the facility of their location, they literally have been seeing UFOs and UFO reports for decades. Yeah. And yeah, yet, and that's a that's a case that I've made that some of these some of these shadow entities and shadow beings that we're seeing are actually extraterrestrials. So mm-hmm. observers, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, full observers, yeah. yeah, absolutely, yeah. And then, I mean, I've had I one of my friends is a, a psychic medium, and she was like, I was in the place, and I'm telling you right now, these are aliens. They can't get rid of these. Like, yeah. they're being visited, and I was like, Oh my god, how are you going to tell them? And she's like, I don't know, but yeah. Yeah, might so be a, a little touchy there. Yeah, you think? <laughs> do you think Bigfoot's an alien or an extra-dimensional, interdimensional traveler person? Um, I'm not opposed to that theory. Um, my uh, my take is no. He's um, He is part of, I, I would say, a prehistoric ape, um, like the Gigantopithecus, the Gigantopithecus Blackie. Um, but... Uh, ben and I have this conversation all the time because he believes he's interdimensional. That's why you see him like this and then he's gone. Um, 
But I learned through a lot of field work that there are so many, and this is, this is strange, but there are so many cave systems that are within the U.S. that we are unaware of, of how deep they are and how much they channel through underground. Um, and then I discovered that out in Washington, we have 60% of our forests and mountain regions have never been touched or had a single human foot step, uh, human step foot in there. So for me, it's the best way I always explain it to people when it comes to this is I'm totally open to the interdimensional, but they always come up to me like, where's the body? You know, how come we can't see them? They're like there and they're gone. Bears bury themselves. It's very rare to find a bear carcass. We find them, but it is rare, um, especially growing up in the mountains and being an animal person. It's, it is extremely rare. Um, but you have to look at it. This is their home. This is where they know how to hide, where they know how to stay hidden. We have species that are still remaining. They've remained hidden all the way up till now and are just now being discovered. Um, and that are larger monkeys included and different types of specimens in the eight family. But if somebody's coming into your home to break in, you know your home better than anybody. So they might get a glimpse of you going through your kitchen really quick, but then all of a sudden you're just gone. To them, you would have been an interdimensional being, but you know your home. So you know where you maybe. can hide fast and quick. What? I said, maybe I am. Maybe <laughs> you might be, mister. <laughs> so, you know, the thing is for me, it's like, they know their home. So if I'm a burglar coming in their home looking for them. They're going to know where they can hide and where they can hide fast. And with some of these tunneling systems, what people don't understand is there's actually holes that you can fall into. The cave, People think of a cave. Yeah, like, like right oh, in the ground. Go, yeah. Yes. And they think like, oh, I'm going to go find a cave and find a hole. No, like you can be walking in the woods and these cave systems are holes in the ground. So yeah. somebody that knows where those are, you could go sliding right into that or dunking down into that very quickly or heck, climb a tree. People never think that Bigfoot can't climb a tree. <laughs> like, So for me, it's 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 always like, I love the idea of interdimensional because who knows, there could be the whole backstory that people followed with like aliens testing on human and ape. And that's where we got this weird Bigfoot, you know, crazy theory. And then there's also the whole, could he just really, could this species just really know the forest and know how to hide very fast and never there see is. a, you know, foot of track. So, you know, I'm on the both sides, but. The place I was telling you that was the epicenter for Bigfoot sightings mm -hmm. was like a, a two mile hiking trail. And they, um, there's a very large iron Bigfoot statue. Everyone takes pictures with him. And there's a sign that said, there's five more Bigfoots hiding in the forest. See if you can find them on the trail. And I was about a mile into the trail when I realized I haven't seen one yet. It's got to be a joke. <laughs> I was like, oh, hey, God, I'm not going to go the whole two miles, you know, turn back around. And <laughs> it's like, why can't I find him anywhere? You know? They got you. They yeah. did it. it was and nice if you did find there. one, it would be like a blurry statue, right? I was looking in the trees. I was going through the thicket. I had my phone out. <laughs> it would be blurry. That's hilarious. Gosh, dang it, Bigfoot. Knowing how to mess with our electronics. I know. <laughs> anyway, come for the big right. Bigfoot conference. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, the you. big Bigfoot conference. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so we're coming down the last few minutes of the show here, uh, Britt. So, um you want to let people know where uh, they can find you, any events and things like that that you have coming up. What's on tap for you? Um, so, yeah. So I um, I recently started in the last, I think it started July. Um, we started the Disclosure Ladies. Um, we have that on Instagram at the moment. It will eventually be on YouTube and Twitter, X, excuse me. Um, and that is a... Um, 
basically, I wanted to see more women actively involved in the UFO field. And so I'm joined by my my friends, uh, Priscilla and Carolina, and together we created the Disclosure Ladies as a platform to bring a lot of awareness of the UFO topic um, and history and everything that kind of follows suit with it. Um, so you can find that and follow that on Instagram. We're pushing that forward to kind of get more women involved, more voices involved Good. instead of um, just men. Side, no offense, Mike, but Victoria, give you a place. Um, yeah, and then you can you can obviously find me on Brit Investigates, which is my other um, Instagram handle that is my personal professional one. Um, later in October, October 29th, I will be appearing on Jack Osborne's uh, latest installment of his series that airs in October. Um, he invited me on to that, which was an honor. Um, and once it airs, I'll be able to discuss more. Um, so yeah, at this point, that's basically, and of course, Ben and I are still working very heavily within the UFO field. A lot of our work is being showcased on News Nation with Ben. Ben has been kind of a voice on there a lot recently that they've been yeah. turning to him. So together we um, gather as much information on what's happening within the UFO community um, on all aspects and, and just trying to do our best to help them on News Nation and anybody else that um, reaches out. And uh, yeah, so we're just every day it's something new in the field and we're just uh, trudging along for it. But I'm very active on my social platforms. So you can always reach out to me with any questions. If you want to follow, I would love it. We can stay in touch. And yeah, if you have any really funny alien videos, send them to me. I love a good laugh. So please. <laughs> and I love 80s stuff. So if you see the Back to the Future car, <laughs> I'm in. Ah, <laughs> the go. DeLorean is my cool. baby. So yeah. DeLorean is your thing. All right. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to go ahead and uh, and wrap this up. So those that are on YouTube, we're going to go ahead and say goodbye to you. Those that are members of the Connected Universe portal, Stay right there because we will do our uh, little after show here. For those that are wondering what I'm talking about, connectuniverseportal.com. Come join us uh, out there. Uh, wonderful community. All kinds of videos, content, material. Get the after show here and uh, all kinds of other things. So, all right, YouTube land. You have a good one. And, oh, those that are listening to the podcast version <laughs> of this later. Yes, again, connectuniverseportal.com. And then uh, you can watch the video on YouTube as well. So, till next time, time really exists.